Please turn, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered them, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. Thus far the reading of God's word. When I was younger... One of the favorite things I loved to do with my friends and with my cousin was to play hide-and-go-seek in the dark. Boys and girls, I don't know if you've done this before. I really do not recommend it. Um, but the one thing about playing hide-and-go-seek in the dark is that you don't know for whom it's harder for, the hider or the seeker. Everything's dark, and that really levels the playing field, doesn't it? Um, it's really hard to find people, and it's really hard to get caught. You can't see anything. And so I remember my friends and I, we would bump into walls and bump into couches, run into one another. Well, in the context surrounding John 8, God's people and the Pharisees are the ones playing hide-and-go-seek in the dark. They keep bumping into things about Jesus in the Old Testament, but they can't quite make sense of it. The light bulb just won't turn on for them. And that becomes clear in chapter 7, verse 40 and following. We have some people who think Jesus is a prophet. Some people who think he's Messiah. And other people are like, well, he can't be the Messiah. He's from Galilee, and the Messiah comes from Bethlehem then some people flat out just don't like him. So you have all these different opinions about Jesus, and some are half right, others are entirely off target. And you know what, today, we too are in the dark. There is a great 
darkness in our land, you could say. A lot of different opinions about Jesus. And if you were to ask 100 people, who is Jesus? You would likely get 100 different answers, right? Jesus is a social justice warrior. He fights for the oppressed. He really didn't like rich people all that much. He doesn't really like those in power. Or he's a political revolutionary. His job is to get our guy back in the White House. Then everything will be all right. Man, that Jesus guy, he, he's a really good teacher. He's a, he's a good philosopher. He really taught people what it meant to be a good person. Even now you have all these opinions about Jesus. But it all comes back to this one thing. There is spiritual darkness in the world. People are reaching into that void, into that darkness, trying to figure out life for themselves, trying to make their own identity, trying to be their own light and find their own light. And yet, they don't have the light. They are in darkness. And they need someone to turn the light on for them. Well, light surely would have been what the Jews were thinking about during this time, during this point in John, since it was the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And this feast was like time travel for Israel. Kind of like when people dress up in Civil War costumes every year and they reenact the Civil War, which I find really interesting. Um, that's one of the darkest and bloodiest times, most stressful times in American history. But that's not the kind of reenactment Israel was going for. Theirs was full of joy and celebration. For one week they would reenact or remember their father's time in the wilderness when God was leading them by a pillar of fire through the darkness. And Jewish literature shows us this would have been one of the happiest times of the year. There would be dancing and singing, and you have people holding burning torches of fire. And the workers in the temple, they would take four giant lamps, and they would light them in the temple. Um, the temple, all of Jerusalem would be lit up, and there would be a party happening. The city would shine so bright it would easily stand out among the surrounding areas that were in darkness. And so Jerusalem was a city upon a hill, you could say, that could not be hidden. And if you were to take an airplane and go over Israel um, during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, what you would see would be this bright, illuminating light in the middle of deep darkness. And that was really how God led his people through the wilderness. He, he led them by the pillar of fire in the night, in darkness. He was their light. He shined his light upon their path. And that's what the Jews are commemorating here in John 7. And that bleeds over then into John 8. That's our context. And so by the time we get to John 8, the feast is ending. The loud shouts are dying down. The flames are just a flicker right now, if not already out. There's literal 
and figurative darkness settling in among the people. And you can tell that just by looking at the Pharisees' interaction with Jesus right now. We can't get around the fact that there is deep darkness upon Israel. And that's our first point. There's deep darkness in our text. Their spiritual leaders are so blind and hardened that they call Jesus a liar. Look at verse 13. They say, who do you think you are, Jesus? You're bearing witness about yourself. Which for a Jew meant, you're lying. In the Old Testament law, you needed two or three witnesses in order to corroborate a story, to corroborate a claim, especially a very wild claim, um, like Jesus is making here, to be the light of the world. And so the Pharisees, they think Jesus is making such a wild claim, and they say, you're witnessing about yourself. That you're not allowed to do that. You should know your Bible by now. He's doing something criminal. And they know that the title, Light of the World, is a claim of divinity. They knew that because they knew their Old Testament. David says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And so in this psalm, David uses God's covenant name. And the covenant name of God will typically show up as Lord in capital letters in your Bible. And so he's saying, Yahweh is my light and my salvation. In Psalm 36, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And so in the Old Testament, light is applied to God. He has light in himself. But he's also the fountain of life. And he's the one that gives life to the people. And yet Jesus is saying, he's the one who is light in himself. He's the light of the world. He's the one that gives light to his people. What audacity. What, what an extraordinary claim. And yet you ha- he has no witnesses, right? The Pharisees want Jesus to corroborate his story. And so a time of celebration, a time that was supposed to be full of joy and full of happiness, has turned into one of confusion and darkness. And what great darkness it is when someone can call the light of the world a liar. You want to know who calls God a liar? The devil. The devil has been lying on God since the garden. And so the devil calls the light of the world a liar because he is a father of lies. And the Pharisees now bear his resemblance, don't they? So one, they call Jesus a liar. That's evidence of their deep darkness. But two, they begin to disrespect him even more, somewhat mocking rumors about him in verse 19. Verse 19. Jesus, where is your father? Now, you might remember the drama around Jesus' birth by the Virgin Mary. There were likely many people who thought Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph. I mean, a virgin giving birth, that's never, when has that ever happened? That's unheard of, right? And the Pharisees are playing on those lies. Jesus, you, you keep claiming your father testifies about you, but... Do you even know who your father is? 
Where is your father? Do you even know him? But Jesus then turns the tables on them. In verse 20, Jesus answered, You know what? You, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. In other words, Jesus is not holding back. He tells them, you think I don't know my father, then, then you really have no clue who my father is. Because if you knew him, you would know that I came from my father. You would get the family resemblance that I have to my father, but instead, what is your family resemblance? You call, you're calling me a liar, and yet your father is a father of lies. They have different fathers. So clearly, the Pharisees are blind and in spiritual darkness. And they need the illuminating light of Christ. And that's our second point, the illuminating light of Christ. The Pharisees can't stand that Jesus claims to be God. And at the end of chapter 8, they're ready to kill him for it. Indeed, this would fulfill Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. But what happens when the light shines on people that love darkness? It exposes who people really are. Right? The light shone on them and revealed that they were children of the devil, that they hated the light. They want nothing to do with it. That's what John 3 verse 20 is about. For everyone who does, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their deeds be exposed. And you've likely encountered people like that. You try and shine the light of Christ to them, um, you share the gospel with them. And if you're going to Boardwalk Chapel, there are plenty of people who are like that on the boardwalk. You try and share Christ with them, and they're like, get away from me. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you or him. You're weird. I don't like that. They hate Christ's guts, and they hate yours, and they would, they would kill him if they could. They trample upon his name. But even those people who are in deep darkness, they still need the light of Christ, don't they? They need him to shine his light on them, to open their eyes. Well, the good news today is that God specializes in removing spiritual blindness. And so the light of Christ it has a blinding effect upon people, as we see what happened with the Pharisees. But it also has the ability to break through spiritual darkness. And whether you're here today, and you're confused about Christ's identity, you don't know who he is, whether you want nothing to do with him, whether you never think about him, whether you hate him, the light of Christ is for you. You need the light of the world 
today. And you might be thinking, well, I don't think I'm in darkness. Why would I need the light of the world? I'm not, I'm not blind. I, I don't even wear contacts. I don't even wear glasses. What do, you, what do you mean that I'm blind and I'm in darkness? Well, this is what I mean. Spiritually blind people go their day-to-day life behaving as if God is not real. They have no good thoughts towards God. They live for their own glory and not God's glory. They're relying on their own strength and not God's strength. And so if that's you, then you are dark in, in darkness and blind, whether you know it or not. And that's the worst kind of blindness there is, when you're blind and you don't even know it. And I think the matrix is a perfect example of that. The people in the matrix, they could look up and the sun would be shining. And yet there was this darker reality behind the scenes. Um, They would live completely unaware of it. And in fact, they were under the influence of the darkness. And it wasn't until Neo, the main character is woken up, as it were. He was living his day-to-day life normal, going to work, partying. But then, he's, he wakes up. And note no, that he didn't w- wake himself up. Someone else had to open his eyes. Someone had to approach him. So if you do not follow Christ today... There is deep darkness influencing you, whether you know it or not. Do you know that? I'm sure the Pharisees thought they were in the light. They probably thought they were the light. They thought they knew the law. But the truth of the matter is, how you answer this one question will determine your entire life. Your eternity, even. Who is Christ to you? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he light? In John 9, Jesus actually healed a blind man, and the blind man had to give an account to the Pharisees about what happened to him. And so the Pharisees, they they keep harassing him. But the blind man claims to know one thing. This is his testimony. He says, I was blind, and now I see. And that is a very short and powerful statement, isn't it? He describes conversion in seven words. He says, I was blind, and now I see. Is that your testimony today? That you were blind. You might have grown up in church. You might have been a member of the covenant, baptized into a church family. You might have been walking as far away from God as possible. But whatever your story is, there came a point where you said, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. He opened my eyes. And that's the good news, that Christ did not leave you in a state of spiritual 
darkness, but broke through your darkened heart. And he shined the light of his gospel so that you would believe in Jesus Christ. You you didn't do that on your own, did you? You didn't wake up one day and think, I'm going to believe in Jesus now. It might have been gradually, where the blindness gradually is removed, right? But there was a point where you could say, the Lord is for me. He's the light of the world, but he's my light. Has the Lord turned the light on in your heart? And so whether that happened when you were four years old or whether you were 40 years old, the only way you can believe in Christ is if the Lord has turned on the light in your heart. I don't know if you've done this before, but I'm sure many of you have. Bree does it all the time. Um, you wake up in the middle of the night and you try and make your way to the light. But what happens? You, you're fumbling and bumbling against everything. You stub your toe. You bump into the wall. But then you turn the light on. And then you're able to see everything that you could not see before. So it is when Christ turns the light on in our heart. We're able to see everything that we could not see before. The sin that we used to struggle with, we know where it's coming from. And now we can avoid it. We don't have to bump into it anymore. We can actually go around it. Christ has given us the light so that we can avoid sin. And by his grace, we don't have to walk in darkness anymore. But if Christ has not turned the lights on for you, then you are still in darkness. That is the truth. You have no hope, no ultimate hope at least. You have no purpose, no ultimate identity. And you'll continue to bump into things in your life that you just don't have the answer for. Like, why does everything in this life feel empty and vain? When you lay down on your bed and the lights are actually turned off and you, you stare at the ceiling... And you wonder, what's the meaning of my life? What am I doing here? Well, the reason why you don't have those answers is because you're not following the light. And Christ right now is, he's calling you out of the darkness. He wants you to stop giving yourself over to the vain pleasures of the world. And you have many questions. But he has the answer. All you must do is come to him and come to the light. He will give you a new life and a new path. And so whatever it is, whatever is keeping you from coming into the light, whatever it is, whether whether you hate him, whether you are confused about him, come and find purpose in Christ. Come to him and he will give you a new identity he will give you purpose in life and true purpose and identity are only found in Christ and this leads us to our final point 
Let your light shine. I said earlier that Jesus has two witnesses to the fact that he's the light of the world. He has him, he and his father. And yet, I think our text implies a third one. There are three witnesses to the fact that Christ is the light of the world. Himself, the Father, and you. You are the third and final witness that Christ is the light of the world. And Christ says in verse 12 that the one who follows him will by no means walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. And so now that our eyes are opened to who Jesus is, now that we know his identity, he gives us our identity. He gives us purpose. And Jesus confirms that in Matthew 5, verse 14. Could you turn there with me? Matthew 5, beginning in verse 14. Matthew 5, 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, isn't that amazing? He says, You are the light of the world. Now, we're not the light of the world in the same way that he is because he's the one saving the world. But we're called to be a witness to his salvation in the world. And notice that he doesn't do this about any of the other I am statements. You're not the door. You're not the vine. You're not the way. You're not the good shepherd. He says, you are the light of the world. And also note, this title isn't given to just anyone. It's not given to a political party. It's not given to the NRA or the White House. But it's given to the church. It's given to us in here right now. We are the light of the world. And what a privilege that is. And Christ calls you to simply be what you are. Let your light shine. And what great motivation this is to holiness and piety and good works. Because now that our eyes are open, there is something fundamentally different about us. We, there's no going back. Your eyes are opened. You cannot become blind again. Do you believe that about yourself right now? That you are light. That you no longer are in darkness, but God has called you out of the darkness. And because you are in the light, this means that when you're in your vocation, when you're at your job, your job is to witness to Christ. Other people should look at you and get a little picture of what Christ is like. Because whether you like it or not, you are the example of what Christ is like. They might never open a Bible on their own, but let them read of Christ through your life. 
Now, make no mistake, you are, you are not saving other people by being light to them. Your job is not to be the light of the world for them. Your job is to point them to the light. The light is not intrinsic to you, but it's the light that comes from Christ. And now you reflect it to the world. So don't walk in darkness anymore. That right there is what hurts our witness. Yet how many times do we do that? We laugh at the things that the world laughs at. We're entertained by the things that the world is entertained by. And yet, God has called you out of the darkness for a reason. And by his, you you cannot do this on your own. This is a very high calling. But by God's grace, his grace is sufficient for you to do it. And so those times where you feel like there really is darkness in my heart, when you look inward and you see sin that you've been struggling, struggling with your entire life, don't continue to look inward. Look to Christ. Look to the light of the world. He's a lamp to our feet. And Christ is the one guiding our path. When we don't know where to go, he shows us where to go. That's what David is saying. When, you walk, when he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. For the Lord is with him. He's a light to him. And that's what Israel had. In the Old Testament, think about the challenges that lay ahead of them. They had the Canaanites and all of the ites waiting for them. What comfort did they have, though? Well, they had the comfort that their God was with them. He was their light, and he led their path. So as we close, I want you to remember that In the Old Testament, God's light only remained in Jerusalem. Remember the Feast of Booths, right? The Feast of Tabernacles. That was only a party in Jerusalem. And yet, God's plan all along was not that only Jerusalem would be light. Or that only Jerusalem would have joy in salvation, but his plan was that the entire world would, would, would rejoice in his salvation and rejoice in the light and come out of the darkness. It wasn't enough that God called the great people of old to himself. Remember, he, he called Abraham out of the world. You have Isaac, he was set apart. David and Solomon, the great men of old in Israel. God did not only have those guys in mind, but he had you in mind. He was thinking of you all those years ago. And that's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 49. About Christ, he says, It is too light a thing 
that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as light for the nations that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth. And so I don't think any of us are Jews here. We're all Gentiles. And if you've placed your faith in Christ, then you are the fulfillment of Isaiah 49. You, right now. God had you in mind thousands of years ago. And he said, one day, I'm going to open Cliff's heart. One day, I'm going to open Community Presbyterian's hearts. I'm going to shine my light on them. And then they're going to reflect my light to the nation. And so, in a real sense, the celebration and joy of the Feast of Tabernacles, it was incomplete. It was not enough. They were too small. And dear friends, is your, are your eyes too small? Do you know what God can do through you? God's heart is big. God has a big heart. His heart is for the nations. God so loved the world. And Christ is the light for the world. And we now carry that light with us everywhere we go. We carry the gospel wherever we go. And what a joy it is to be a part of that. Amen? So let us continue to celebrate and praise God and continue that celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles because we have a God who is leading us through the darkness and because we have seen the light but now we are called to be the light. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you that your light shone into our dark hearts. Um, there were times when we did not think of you, times when we loved our sin and we took pleasure in it. But now that we are in the light, Lord, by your spirit, help us to walk in freedom. Help us to be a witness to Christ in this world so that when others see your church, they would not revile her and thus revile Christ. But would we shine the light that Christ has given us? And even now, the darkness is, is being pushed back. Even now, the kingdom of darkness is passing away. And one day, there will, only, there will only be light. In the new heavens and new earth, your children will shine bright like the stars. And your son, Jesus Christ, he will be the lamp he will shine bright as the sun, and there will be no need for the sun. So encourage us unto that time, um, and give us grace as we walk through the darkness. I pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.